be turning in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we will concentrate on verses 17 through chapter 2 and verse 5. 1 Corinthians 1, beginning with verse 17 and going through chapter 2 and verse 5. And we'll be reading uh, from that text as we go along. But I want us to uh, consider this morning... Uh, the matter of preaching the cross and uh, see if we can get some uh, reinforcement of what we know to be true, what we know the scriptures to teach on preaching the cross, but maybe also uh, a little different perspective uh, of it. Um, From this text, Early on in verses 10 through 17, we won't read those verses, but you will remember, and as you see there in front of you in your Bibles, that uh, Paul is talking about a misunderstanding that the Corinthian brethren had about baptism. And uh, we see that uh, in those early verses of chapter 1, that they were more focused on who baptized them uh, rather than the cross that baptism represents. And so in the verses that I mentioned that forms our text, Paul sets out to try to uh, change their focus and their perspective of the cross by stressing three points concerning the cross in this text. So it's going to be about baptism. It's going to be about the cross. So the three points that Paul is going to be stressing in our text is first of all the power of the cross. And secondly, the message of the cross. And then thirdly, the wisdom of the cross. So we'll begin by looking at the power of the cross. And this is from 1 Corinthians 1, uh, beginning with verse 17, and I'll also read verse 23 and 24. I'm reading from the uh, English Standard Version. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. And then verse 24, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. I want us to take note of what uh, Paul says here. He talks about, uh, in verse 17 there, that uh, he was sent not to baptize. Now, our religious friends uh, in the denominations who do not believe that baptism is essential for salvation really like to go to this verse. And uh, they say here it's very clear that Paul says that uh, 
God did not send him to baptize, but to simply preach the gospel. And so that's proof that baptism is not essential. Of course, they ignore the context here of what Paul is addressing. Uh, And then also elsewhere in Paul's writing where (laughs) it's unmistakable that Paul knows that uh, baptism is where we meet the blood of Christ in obedience and receive salvation from sin. But here uh, he says that God sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now, what what does it mean here? I think the King James and New King James there says to be made of no effect. And uh, I think the rendering in the ESV probably is preferred here, emptied of its power. So what is he talking about here? Uh, In verses 23 and 24 that we just now read, the cross demonstrates God's power to save from sin. So the cross is central to the gospel. The gospel begins with the cross, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So without the cross, there is no death, there is no resurrection. So if the cross is left out of the gospel message, it has no power to save. Now, God's power can be emptied if man focuses more on some other element more important than the cross. Uh, of course, the Corinthians here were placing more emphasis on, uh, or the Corinthians were placing more emphasis on baptism than the cross. Who baptized them? I am of Paul. I am of Apollos, and so on. And they were taking great pride in everything of who baptized them. And to emphasize their problem, Paul said that uh, if he did that in his preaching, he would be in effect emptying the cross of its power. So that is why he said that God did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So I think that uh, we don't have the problem that the Corinthians had. I don't believe uh, that uh, we really plays great emphasis on who baptized us. Uh, The scriptures emphasize baptism itself, not the one who administers baptism. Uh, I take, I think, in a good sense, uh, uh, a measure of of pride. I was baptized by Cal McWhorter. Uh, He was the evangelist of Lawrence County and Franklin County during the times that I was growing up. I preached at Midway often, and I still remember that day that uh, I went forward and uh, uh, Cal baptized me. But that wasn't the most important thing about it. My baptism into Christ was what was most important. And so... I think 
that is not our problem, but maybe in a sense we do share principle-wise in the problem that the Corinthians had. It can be. I think without realizing it that we often make the same mistake today. For instance, there is a tendency in the interest of time to rationalize that here in the southeast, most people believe in God, they believe in Christ, and they believe in the cross, and they believe in the Bible. I think that's a fair assumption. We're in the Bible belt. And most people, I remember growing up, going to school at Lawrence County High. Uh, Some of my teachers were members of the Lord's Church. Some were not, but I think every one of my teachers believed in God and the Bible. Uh, so that, that's true. Here where we live, it's a pretty good assumption to believe that most people by far are believers. And so when we are preaching the cross or when we are sharing the gospel... Sometimes we want to cut to the chase by going straight to the conditions of salvation. We do it in preaching. Sometimes we do it in personal evangelism. And furthermore, since most also believe that one must believe and repent, we often go straight to baptism because that is where our agreement with our religious friends ends. Uh, We believe that you must have faith, just like they do. We believe that one must repent of his sins, just like they do. We believe that one must confess Christ as the Son of God, just like they do. But we come to a screeching halt at baptism. We believe the Bible teaches that baptism is essential for salvation. They do not. So with the assumptions that we have agreement in these first areas of faith and repentance and confession, uh, no need to talk about that. We just go straight to baptism a lot of times. Paul said that he preached Christ crucified, though, and so must we if we would not empty the cross of its power. Uh, Belief, repentance, confession, and baptism with no mention of the cross is simply not the gospel. It's not the gospel. So before we get to baptism, the gospel must first be preached. So rather than being boastful of who baptized me, I must see the cross of Christ in baptism. And so understand where we're coming from here. We're not talking about whether or not baptism is essential for salvation. We're clear on that. Paul is clear on that. But there are some things in preaching the cross that must come first before we get to how one obeys the gospel. Just to preach the plan of salvation of what a person must do in order to be saved without any mention of the cross itself we have not preached the gospel and that's wrong Uh, years ago I did uh, a quite lengthy research of our restoration 
uh, preachers of the 1800s, early 1900s on preaching the gospel. I uh, did a lot of research. I've got reams of paper where I copied articles and everything. And brethren, it astounded me how often in the name of preaching the gospel lessons were presented which were excellent, but no mention of the cross. No mention of the cross of Christ. Just how you obey the gospel. And that's not right. This is what we need to make sure that we don't fall victim to. So number one here in this text, we see the power of the cross because that's where salvation is. That is where the blood was shed. That was the atonement for our sins, the payment for our sins, the cross, the death of Christ. And then after that, it can be truthfully said as a part of the gospel, we must also tell a person how you obey that gospel. But to preach how you obey the gospel without mention of what causes salvation or brings salvation, we've missed the boat. It's got to be both and in that order. Uh, So let's go on then to the second point that Paul emphasizes in this text, and that is the message of the cross. I'm going to be reading from, uh, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with uh, verse 18, and uh, I'm going to read selected verses from our text. But beginning with verse 18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The message of the cross. What is the message of the cross? The message of the cross simply is God's power to save The gospel is the good news of Christ dying on the cross, verse 18, for our sins. And God's wisdom. Preaching is the means by which one declares the gospel to the lost. And in a personal evangelism context, we we speak of it as sharing the gospel with the lost. So we preach Christ crucified first and foremost as opposed to preaching baptism first and foremost. 
Don't go out of here misunderstanding what I've said. I'm talking about the correct order of things. We don't begin with baptism. We begin with the cross. If we're going to be sharing the gospel with people, the cross is the gospel. The cross is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It is not the conditions of salvation. That is how one takes hold of that salvation. But it in and of itself, the conditions of salvation, in and of itself is not the gospel. The cross is the gospel. And then we've got to preach how a person obeys the gospel in that order. So in God's wisdom, preaching is the means by which we preach the gospel and we share the gospel with those who are lost when we are doing personal Bible studies and talking with people individually. Paul preached the gospel, which was Christ crucified in simplicity and in great humility. These first five verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And so the power of the gospel is not in one's ability to proclaim it. Um, Brethren, we need to guard against uh, overemphasizing the the messenger. Uh, In our brotherhood, we have some wonderful uh, proclaimers of the gospel. One of them preaches for our congregation here. Uh, but let's keep in perspective how the messengers themselves feel about their ability to preach. It's not them. The power is in the message itself. Sometimes, I think we've gotten better about this, but uh, for those of you who uh, attend our Brotherhood lectureships, either down at Faulkner or Freed Hardeman or elsewhere, uh, we try to get, or even uh, polishing the pulpit, we try to uh, uh, invite some of the foremost uh, preachers in the brotherhood for those lessons, for the themes that are chosen. And uh, I can remember in the early days, several years ago, it would almost be embarrassing. I, could, I felt for the person themselves being introduced because the, the one introducing them would go on and on and on about all the accomplishments and everything of the one who's about to speak. And so sometimes when the person would finally get up to speak, he would have to uh, kind of stumble around and, and in a way apologize for all of that. We need to be careful. Uh, it's God speaking through man, the gospel. And the power is not in personalities or in ability or the person. The power is in the message itself. The power is in Christ and him crucified. Paul preached the gospel to the Corinthians. You remember over in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, uh, there is the supreme statement of what the gospel is. In fact, that's what Paul says. He said, here is the gospel that I preached to you. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 1 through verse 4. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel 
I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried That he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures. And that is the gospel. He did not begin with baptism first and foremost. Baptism would come later. After the gospel was presented as well as repentance and confession and faith. The cross first And then how one obeys the gospel is the order. As the order of the Great Commission, Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2 and throughout the New Testament, we see this order. And we dare not change that order as we are trying to share the gospel with the lost. So it's just a matter of putting matters of first importance first, the gospel first, and then the conditions of salvation Second, and so we go on uh, to the wisdom of the cross. And for this, I'm going to read uh, just in in one reading, uh, I guess beginning with verse uh, 18 and going through 31. So follow along with me if you wish, beginning with uh, verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 1. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discernment and of the descending. And the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For the, for the Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who, because, who became to us 
wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So this is the third point Paul is stressing in this context. That is the wisdom of the cross. You know, really, when, when you, we just stop and, and think about it, the gospel, the plan of salvation, how one obeys the gospel, all of that in the ways of the world and in our way of thinking uh, that is the world, it doesn't make much sense. Some man 2,000 years ago dying a criminal's death on a, a cross, a Roman cross, and then uh, saying that he arose from the dead and that he is a savior and that there is a heaven and that if we obey this one, that we'll get to go. In the, in the world's eyes, that makes no sense at all. It's stupid. It's foolish. It's folly. But to those who believe, those of us who have obeyed the gospel, it's the power of God and the wisdom of God. So we're looking at the wisdom of the cross. This was in God's wisdom. In God's wisdom, before the foundations of the earth, he put into place the gospel. So what is the wisdom? In the gospel is the wisdom of God as contrasted with the wisdom of man. You think about it, men's wisdom elevates man, doesn't it? The messenger. God's wisdom elevates Christ, the message itself. A great speaker could preach the gospel but never effectively convey it. A man without speaking skills could preach the gospel and effectively convey it. Where's the wisdom in that? But it's the truth. Why is the gospel then the wisdom of God? Well, I guess we could think about this from several standpoints. Here's the way I've sort of uh, uh, made sense of it and tried to understand it. God created man with the uh, freedom of choice, free will. And so when man chose evil... In sin, God had already created a plan whereby he could return to God. So in his plan, only the sacrificial blood of a perfect man living under the law would accomplish it. God's only son took on flesh, lived under the law among men, sinless, and went to the cross and shed his blood as a sacrifice for my sins. Isaiah said that God saw the sacrifice of Christ and was pleased. It was the only way. Even Christ in the garden begged God if there is any way other than drinking the cup of the cross and its consequences to me. Please let it be. 
Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And it was the will of God that he drink the cup. And he did so. So I think it, it really goes back to the fact of how God created us uh, with the freedom of choice. What kind of love and obedience and adoration would God receive if we had no choice but to do it? There is none. We're but puppets or, or robots. God created man to want to obey him, submit to him, and love him. But he didn't force it. He didn't make us where we had no choice but to do that. Well, that brings consequences. If, if we have choice, then we have the consequence if we make the wrong choice, which our parents in the flesh did by disobeying the command of, of God. We can't fully grasp or comprehend all of this, but God knew that this would happen. And so even before the creation of the world, he already had in mind how giving man's freedom of choice and his disobeying God, still how it could be possible for man to return to God. And that he did. It's the gospel. That's the wisdom of the cross. Uh, that is God's plan whereby we may choose to accept and obey and be with God in eternity. So we've, we've looked at uh, the preaching of the cross uh, maybe from a little bit different perspective than, than usual. But I really feel rather strong about this. Uh, Kay and I have done a lot of uh, study and everything on how to most effectively present the gospel uh, to people who are lost. Uh, we ended up creating our own, basically, from another plan, but tweaking it to our own satisfaction uh, of how best to approach people and, and to, to share the gospel. Uh, but in Doing so, it is in light of the fact that so often in evangelism, we want to cut to the chase. We want to just assume that uh, this person that we're meeting uh, is obvious with the Bibles and everything that we find in, in his home, in his living room, on the coffee table and everything, that, that they're people of faith, they, they believe in God, and... Uh, more than likely, they believe that a person has to repent of their sins in order to be pleasing to God and to confess that Christ is God's Son. So that being the case, let's, let's just get to the heart of the matter and uh, get to baptism. And we preach the truth in baptism. But we get out of sync if we leave the cross out. And what, what it still astounds me in my research that I did was how many of our restoration preachers did that. 
Now, of course they believed in the cross, that the cross is the gospel. But in the name of preaching a gospel sermon in gospel meetings and revivals, they preach hear and believe and repent and confess and be in baptism. No mention of the cross. And they did a great job in presenting how a person obeys the gospel, but they didn't preach the gospel. Do you understand what, what I'm talking about here? It's a matter of the biblical order of things. I don't think we dare try to share the gospel with somebody assuming anything. We don't know. More than likely, they are like this. They are believers and, and so on. But we can't assume that. We've got to be mindful of God's order in the scriptures. We preach Christ and Him crucified. Paul says, God did not send me to baptize first and foremost, but of first importance, here's the gospel that I preach to you, that Christ died on the cross, He was buried, and He was raised the third day, according to the scriptures. Uh, so I... I Hope that I've come across in a way that you're, you understand what I'm trying to, to get over. Uh, please, brethren, in, in our efforts to share the gospel of the cross, uh, with the lost, let's use the biblical order. Even if you believe that this is old hat to them, that they know this already, we dare not overlook it and go straight to how one obeys the gospel. That will come in the proper order. And I feel strongly about that. So, we've got a little bit of time here. Um, man tries to comprehend the gospel, but cannot. And so we accept God's plan of salvation by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Um, so, any questions, any comments that you might have? It's the blood of Christ which saves. And that's the gospel. Anybody else? I can't believe I finished up three minutes early, but I did. I can remember uh, last Monday night in our men's meeting, uh, uh, Mike and I were talking about remembering our first sermons. And I remember my first sermon, uh, it was on hindrances to Bible study at the Alders Grove Church of Christ. And at home, it was about 20 minutes long. And I got up there and started, and it was over in 12 minutes. I don't know if that's what happened this morning or not, but, <laughs> but 
Thank you so much for your attention.